Well, welcome to the seventh and final part of our Back to Basics series. Today's message is Generosity, a Lifestyle of Giving. In the series, we've been talking about basic principles and practices that are part of the life of a disciple of Jesus. Each message has covered a foundational and important aspect of a disciple's life. Everything else can be built upon each one of these seven principles. Here are the topics that we have covered. Number one, discipleship. Number two, church. Why church? Number three, faith. Number four, the Bible, my life guide. Number five, prayer, a way of life. Number six, worship. And today, number seven, generosity, a lifestyle of giving. If you have missed any of them, please go to our website and download or listen to these messages. They form the basis of what we believe and practice as a church. Go to awakenlife.co.za and catch up on anything that you have missed. Now, why generosity? Well, generosity is love in action. Generosity is love in action. The Bible says that God is love. Love gives. The Bible says that God so loved that He he gave. John 3.16 You can give without loving. Listen carefully. You can give without loving. But you cannot love without giving. You might give somebody bothers you for for something and you can give it to them, kind of get rid of them. So you can give without loving. But if you love somebody, you will naturally give. You cannot love without giving. You cannot love without being generous. In 1 John 4, 7 to 8, we read, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is a God of abundance. God is a generous God. God is a giver. Jesus, who is God incarnated, while on earth he demonstrated great generosity. He constantly gave until he ultimately gave himself for us, right? Now, remember that we are disciples of Jesus. As disciples of Jesus, our aim is to become more like him. Listen, a disciple is not only a student of Jesus, he or she is an imitator of the master. They want to become just like the master. The Bible says that we must be imitators of God. Imagine if we could become as generous as Jesus. Generosity is part of a disciple's life. As a disciple, you are called to a life of giving. Not just giving money, but also time, talents, skills, caring, and loving. Last week, we heard about worship. We learned that worship is more than just singing worship songs on Sunday. Worship is about the heart. If you think of it, if our heart is right, worship is about giving. In worship, we give adoration. We give praise. In worship, we give our lives. We give our commitment. In worship, we give our hearts. We give our resources. We give our time. We give our attention. Worship is all about giving back to God. Also, generosity was a defining mark of the early church. 
We read in Acts chapter 2 from verses 41 to 47 that those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. You see this? They were together. They had things in common. They shared amongst themselves. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So they were taking their surplus stuff and they were sharing the, whatever they had. They were selling and they were sharing amongst each other, helping one another, taking care of the needs amongst themselves. And this was a completely new thing back in the first century. People at that time were very much like today, looking only after themselves, trying to get all they can. And so these people, these disciples of Jesus, were really going against the flow with these actions. It was so unusual that it got the attention of the people. Now, although generosity is more than just money, the greatest part of our generosity involves money. So most of this message will be with reference to finances. What does finances have to do with faith, you may ask? Well, Plenty, according to Jesus. 16 out of his 38 parables deals with the handling of money and possessions. He taught that it is better to give than to receive. Listen, when you are a child, you just want to get, right? When it's Christmas, you want to get. When it's your birthday, you want to get. You're always focused on getting, getting, getting. Then you grow up and you become a father and all of a sudden you want to give. You, you want to give to your kids, and you've got joy in giving and watching them uh, receive. Well, some people, they seem to kind of grow up, but never grow out of the childhood mode. They always want to get, 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 and receive, receive, and receive. But anyway, that is the way uh, things normally go. As you grow up, you want to share. Sharing, giving, is a sign of maturity. Now, about 500 verses in the Bible deal with prayer. Prayer is important, right? So we've got about 500 verses dealing with prayer. What about faith? Well, we've got less than 500 verses dealing with faith, and it is an important matter. Well, what about love? That surely is very important, and it is. And so you've got about 700 verses dealing with love. But listen to this. There are more than 2,000 verses concerning money and possessions. So clearly, finances, giving, generosity is a very important aspect of discipleship. Now, you don't need to be wealthy to be generous. One of the most generous people in the New Testament was a nameless widow who lived in the time of Jesus. We read about this in Mark chapter 12 and Luke chapter 21. She came to the temple and offered two mites. That's the smallest copper coin of the day. Today in South Africa, our smallest copper coin is 10 cents. So she gave perhaps 20 cents. I think in her day, the value of those two, per coin, two copper coins was less than our 20 cents today. And yet, Jesus said that she gave more than those who had given much. Why? Because those guys that had given a lot, they had given of their change, change in their pocket. They had given out of their surplus, out of what was left over. But she gave sacrificially. 
Listen, there is something about giving sacrificially that attracts God's attention and blessing. Generosity is more a matter of the heart than a matter of money. But for me, believers, this is still a difficult subject to understand and to apply. It's like there is a cartoon. We've got this guy and, and, and he says, you know, I trust God to guide my marriage and family. I trust him with my career and my relationships, my finances. Well, I have a great broker. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's, that's, that's us, eh? We trust God with our eternity, but somehow when it comes to our pockets, to our wallets, we kind of want to be in control. <laughs> Somebody even say that, you know, uh, you, you know, know when a person is converted when his pocket gets converted when salvation gets down to the wallet well the fact is the bible has much to say about finances uh, when brother Sheik was teaching on the bible he said everything you need is in the bible he said if you need peace it's in here in the bible if you need victory it's in here if you need joy it's in here if you need encouragement it's in here if you need money <laughs> there was a bit of a long pause, a couple of chuckles from the congregation. And he said, well, if you need advice about money, it is here, which is true. God did not create a tree that produces money. Okay, He does not give man money physically, but God placed in the earth everything that man's need to live, to eat, and to create wealth. So God gives man the ability to create wealth and manage wealth. Listen to these verses. Genesis 1, 28-29. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over all living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. You see, God placed an abundance in the planet, in the earth. You know that even today, the food that we produce today, we are producing enough food to feed way over 10 billion people. We are 7 point something, I think, at the moment on the earth. And so how come are so many people suffering hunger? Why is over 1 billion people in extreme poverty and not getting nutrition? The problem is not in the resource. The problem is in the distribution of resource. Man's greediness, man's manipulation is getting in the way of getting that which God created in abundance to get through to everybody. In 1 Chronicles 29, 11 and 12, we read, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. And your hand, in your hand, is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Did you notice that? All that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Everything that you see around you belongs to the Lord. Are you ready for this now? Everything that you have belongs to God. You are merely a manager. You are a steward over that. Listen to the Deuteronomy 8, 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get 
wealth. He gives you the strength, the breath that you're breathing. He gives you the wisdom, the brains, the power, the energy to get wealth. That God, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. God gives us the power to get wealth. Why? So that we can do His will. Establish His covenant. Establish His purposes on earth. The mind shift we have to make as disciples is to remember that everything we have belongs to Him. We are stewards of all that He has given us. He is building His kingdom and we get to be a part of it. But it requires that we trust in what the Bible says. It requires faith. That confidence that God can be trusted in matters of finance. You know, like that cartoon I mentioned earlier, some of us trust in Him for salvation, but we'd rather take care of our own finances. But we need to trust the Lord for that and get guidance from Him. We don't have time here to get into all of it now, but there are plenty of good financial principles taught in the Word of God. Here's just a few of them. The Bible warns against getting into debt, Romans 13, 8. If you are in debt, make arrangements to get out of it. We live in a world where they are always inviting us to get into debt. They make it easy for you to get into debt. And then when you get into debt and you can't pay it, then they mock you and say, don't you have any responsibility? And they take you to task. The world does this to us. They invite us into trouble. And then when we get into trouble, they still mock us and accuse us. That is the system of the world. So beware. Get away from debt. Another one is this. Don't spend more than you earn. Proverbs 22, 7. Listen, if your output is greater than your input, your upkeep becomes your downfall. So be aware of that. You know, you've got to live on less than what you are getting. Plan and have a budget. Proverbs 21, 5. I'm not reading all the verses. You can read it on your own. Our time is limited. Uh, Luke 14, 28, 30. Plan and have a budget. Some believers... They uh, think it is lack of faith if you plan ahead and, and have a budget. Well, Jesus and the Bible beg to differ. Plan for your future. Plan for your retirement. I've seen too many people suffer because they failed to plan, believing that the Lord would provide. Well, the Lord has given us a brain, has given us means to do this. Let's use those things. Only in extreme cases when things are out of control and you cannot plan, you cannot do something, that is different. But for most of us, it is possible to put a plan into place. Another thing is this. Prioritize giving to the Lord. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. The first fruits, the tithe, that percentage giving, that, that amount you give to the Lord regularly on a monthly basis prioritize that. Give that to God first. Because if you don't do that, if you spend your money on everything else first, you might find that you'll not have enough. And you'll find an excuse not to give to the Lord. And yet giving to God is very important. Save some money. Proverbs 6, 6 and 8. Well, there's a rule of thumb which is used by many financial advisors, Christians and non-Christians, which is this. Give 10% away. For the believer, that is a tithe. That's a, the giving you give to church. Uh, for unbelievers, they might want to give it to charity or something like that. But they say, give 10% away. 
and then save 10% and live on the rest. Live on 80% of your income. And some of you are going, wow, pastor, I struggle to live on 100%. How can I live on 80%? But you see, make that an aim in your life, in your financial life. You might have to cut down on some things, cut down on some luxuries. But as far as possible, aim for 80%. Another principle from the Bible is this. Don't become surety for others. Proverbs 6, 1 and 5. Why not? Because you have no control over their lives. And if something happens to them and something goes wrong and they cannot pay, guess what? They come in to knock on your door and then you are stuck with that debt. So do not become surety for others. There are many other principles in the Word of God. But understand this. Building wealth is a process. It's not an overnight thing. It requires a plan. It requires discipline. It requires time and it requires faith. Unfortunately, we live in a world that pressurizes people to buy things they don't need with money they don't have because everybody has one, because it is so nice, because they let you pay in easy terms. And and so we go for it. We get that stuff. And then we sit in financial bondage. Let's be aware of that. And then when the Lord wants us to give to his kingdom, we don't have money. When an opportunity arises to bless, we don't have money. When a sudden need arises, we have no reserves. That is not the way of generosity. That is not God's way. And we need as disciples to pay more attention to what the word says about finances and apply what the word of God says. The world says, he who dies with more toys wins. (laughs) Really? The Bible says, learn to be content with what you have. Build your treasure in heaven. The principles in the word of God work because God is behind those principles. And be careful with spiritual manipulation. It is not about sending some televangelist a check and then you'll receive tenfold in the mail. It won't happen. Be careful. Use the biblical guidelines in terms of giving. I remember back in the 80s, they were promoting on television, send money to this evangelist and he'll give you a shower cap with his hand printed on top of it and and he's praying a blessing over you and every time you shower, you put that cap on and there's a blessing over you and so many people send so much money to get that shower cap. Man, that is manipulation. That is crazy, man. Don't fall for that kind of stuff. Finances in the kingdom, they work like everything else in the kingdom. By the law of the farm, you reap what you sow and you sow wisely. You sow it according to the word of God. You sow it in the right place. Genesis says that as long as the earth exists, there will be seed time and harvest. The seed has to be sown. The seed has to die and then it will grow and produce fruit. Don't let people fool you that if you sow into that ministry or minister, it will come back to you. Simply obey the word in terms of your giving and your management of money. Trust the people that you know. Trust the church that you're in that you know about and and, and develop from there. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same that you use, it will be measured back to you. So yes, the Bible is forgiving. The Bible does encourage us to give and there are blessings associated with giving. Let's look at what generosity does for you. A couple of things. Number one, generosity makes you more like Jesus. 
Listen, we have been saved by the generosity of Jesus. And now we learn to be generous like him. The more godly, the more generous and vice versa. Proverbs 21:26 says, Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly, they love to give. Luke 11, 41 says, Purity is best demonstrated by generosity. That's the gist of that verse. That if you are pure if towards God, you are going to be generous. Number two, generosity is the cure for materialism. Let's face it, we live in a materialistic world. The world says, get all you can and then put it in a can and then sit on the can so that nobody gets the can away from you, right? Listen, take in, acquire, hoard. The only antidote for this kind of materialistic thinking is giving. You break the power of materialism over your life when you give. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Notice that. You cannot serve both God and money. It doesn't say you shouldn't. It says you can't. It is not possible. You're going to serve one or the other. There is a constant temptation towards materialism. Remember, your valuables are not your value. Your value is in who you are in Christ. God is the source of your value, not your possessions. In 1 Timothy 6, 17-19, we read, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their home hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You see, God wants you to enjoy life. Nothing wrong with enjoying life. Just do it His way. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. You see, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. All right? So number two is generosity is the cure for materialism. Let's get rid of materialism over our lives. Number three, generosity brings God's blessings. As I said earlier, there is something about giving sacrificially that attracts God's attention and blessing. Proverbs 22, 9 says, The generous will themselves be blessed. You see, generosity brings God's blessings. Deuteronomy 15.10 says, Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. 2 Corinthians 9.7 and 8 Everyone must make up his own mind as to how much he should give. Don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to. For cheerful givers are the ones that God prizes. God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so that there will not only be enough for your own needs but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. Amen. So let's learn not to be misers but to become cheerful givers. Let's be cheerful givers. Number four, generosity increases my happiness. You notice that in, in the previous verses, he spoke about giving joyfully. That is because there is joy in giving, in being a blessing, in being part of building the kingdom of God. As children, you get joy out of getting it, as I mentioned earlier. But as you grow up, you enjoy giving. 
But some people seem never to grow up. All they want is everything for themselves. We cannot be like that. Giving actually increases our happiness. Jesus said in Acts 20, 35, it's a quote from Jesus. He says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus that said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The word blessed also means happy. And today's English version puts it this way. Jesus said, there is more happiness in giving than in receiving. I find such great joy when I can give, when I can bless and seeing someone receiving. There is is great happiness, great joy in giving. So generosity increases my happiness. Number five, generosity will be rewarded in heaven. That's the last one you mentioned for now. Generosity will be rewarded in heaven. Now, we read this in point number two when we read in in, the First Timothy chapter 6. We're going to repeat again uh, a little bit of that passage because look what it says. Tell them to use their money to do good, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. Now listen, by doing this, they will be storing up real treasures for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. Listen, money is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. Use money to do good. If you don't use money, you're going to use people. You're, you are to love people and to use money, not the other way around. And unfortunately, many people are doing this. They're using people, okay, and loving money. Listen, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Four times Jesus says to store up treasures in heaven by investing in people who are going there. So you invest in kingdom work, in the church, not in the save the whale and the turtle, no matter how popular that might be. Yes, you do your butt for, you know, looking after nature, but your investment is in the kingdom of God. The best way to save the planet is to save the people on the planet. Luke 16, 19, Jesus says, I tell you, Use your world resources to benefit others and make friends. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. So you see, you can send it forward by giving to the kingdom, helping people to get there. Let's look at a couple of practical applications right now. What resources has God put in your hands? Don't separate the sacred and the secular. Don't separate your Sunday worship from your life during the week. You are a disciple 24-7. All that you have belongs to God 24-7. You are a steward of all that. And you need to be conscious of it. Why are you still here on earth? Why did God not take us directly to heaven when we were saved? You know why? Because heaven is not our ultimate destination. We are coming back here to earth. There will be a new earth. And heaven is coming to earth. So let's get people to heaven. You are here because there is still work for you to do. As a disciple of Jesus, you are to be instrumental somehow in helping somebody get to heaven and every time we we get in contact with people and we help them come closer to Jesus by our testimony by our lives by who we are in whatever manner God uses our lives we are being used by him to help somebody get closer to Jesus and ultimately go to heaven we have work to do Jesus started a kingdom he said your will be done on the earth 
That means to bring the rule of heaven here. And you and I, we get a chance to do it here now. We get to participate in this kingdom project by helping others to get the message. We live out the message in our places of work or study, recreation, and among family and community by being disciples. We invite people who don't go to church to come to our church. And we help them to get connected to God and to the church family. And we do this because of the following truth. And here's the truth. God's kingdom won't go where we don't take it. Did you get that? The kingdom of God will not go where we don't take it. In Genesis 1.28, we read, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase the number. Fill the earth and subdue it. You see, God's plan was to fill the earth with His children. To multiply His people. Of course, that plan failed badly right in the beginning when sun came in and disrupted that planet. But then... Jesus came and he fixes everything up so that we can again be connected with God. And so the plan to fill the earth with God's children is back on track. In Mark 16, 15, we read, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Matthew 28, 19, 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So here's the plan again, to go, to fill the earth with the knowledge of God, to fill the earth with God's people. So the kingdom of God goes as we go. But now, notice we're taking the kingdom forward, all of us together. The master is coming back soon. The signs in the world are in the it. We need to build treasures in heaven by learning to be generous, to have a lifestyle of giving. Well, as we come to the end of this message, let me share with you the three most tangible ways for us as a church here at Awaken Life to make a difference in the kingdom by our generosity. First of all, the first way is by ongoing regular giving. That's your percentage giving. That is your tithes. Uh, we call a tithe, which is 10%, but not everybody gives exactly 10%. Some give less, some give more. All right. In the Old Testament, the Jewish nation had to give 10% of their increase to the Levites. They would take to the temple or synagogue, and it was used to carry out the religious ceremonies and services, as well as to look after the widows and the poor. There were actually three tithes they had to give. One of the tithes was given every third year. The other two were given every year. So uh, in, on average, every year, they gave actually about 24%. That was a law, and it was required of them. In the New Testament, there is no specified percentage. But the principle of ongoing regular giving is there. And since the early days of the church, 10% has been the figure aimed for. Some believers have given more. Some have given less. And it is no condemnation if you don't give a full 10%. Now, many people don't give a regular amount. They kind of give sporadically. And we are grateful for this type of giving, but it is not a good stewardship practice. I encourage you to set a percentage amount that you will give every month and give that percentage, that amount regularly, and then trust God to enable you to increase that amount. All right? The other way you can give is through offerings. 
This is what is over and above the ongoing regular giving. This is what you give towards specific funds or project, as announced from time to time. For example, we've just had a 200k challenge. That was an offering over and above your regular ongoing giving. Then another way you can give is through social assistance. You can commit for three months or six months or 12 months to contribute a prescribed bag of groceries every month. That bag goes towards needy individuals and families in the church. The other thing you can do in terms of social assistance is to give away second-hand clothes in good condition and also to be distributed to those in need first in the church and then in the community. If you're interested in helping out in social assistance, please uh, speak to Maria Ratu about this. She'll give you all the information. She has those bags if you want to contribute to groceries. And if you have second-hand clothing in good condition, please contact her as well. Now, these are the three most tangible ways that you can give that will make a difference in the way this church reaches out to grow the kingdom of God in Pretoria and beyond. Let me close now by inviting you to consider some generosity next steps. You've heard this message down on generosity. What are some next steps that you can take? Here we go. Three of them. Number one, you can automate your giving. You automate your important monthly commitments, right? They are there on stop orders or you do it on your, on your bank app. Do the same towards the church. This way, you won't forget. And you won't be tempted to spend that money on other items. And you won't have to physically do that payment every month. When you are away on holiday or away on work, you won't forget it. So if you have not done so yet, consider going to a bank's app or website and automating your giving. Decide on that percentage you're going to give, on that amount you're going to give every every month, and automate. It will help us a lot as well in terms of our budgeting. And it will also help us to not have to deal with the cash that you have to pay every time you deposit, all right? So automate your giving is a great next step. Another thing is this. Increase your percentage. I I, I challenge you to think about that. The law in the Old Testament required 10%, but there is no limit in the New Testament. If you're not giving 10%, why don't you aim towards that and perhaps increase your percentage this year? If you are at 10%, well, how about increasing that? There have been many, many people in in history and still today who give way more than 10%. So consider that. Pray about that. And number three, give sacrificially. Listen, there is something about giving sacrificially that attracts God's attention and blessing. You will get, will you get his attention this year by giving sacrificially? Yes, I know we are living in difficult and challenging times, but perhaps more than ever before, it's time to give to God sacrificially through our church, through our fellowship, through, through that place where you are being fed, where you are connected to. And it is a wonderful way to prepare and to store treasures in heaven. Listen, I trust that this series on these back to basic principles has helped us to realign these basic areas of our lives as disciples. I encourage you to respond to anything that has that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you in your heart in any of these seven uh, sessions. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, has touched your heart in some area, something you should do, something you should stop doing, please respond to the Holy Spirit. And I close reminding you of what I said in the beginning of this series. 
that I mentioned early in the year, that I believe that the Lord is calling us this year to intentionally be the church He wants us to be, to intentionally be the person He wants us to be, to intentionally be the family He wants us to be. I sense He wants us to be better carriers of His presence to where we live, where we work, where we go to school, where we play, where we shop, where we do life. We should be carriers of His presence. In order to do that, we need to be aware that we are disciples and intentionally live the Christian life as followers of Jesus. Don't just like Jesus like we like people on Facebook. Follow Jesus. Learn to think like Him, to act like Him, to talk like Him. We are not all going to sound the same because we are all different and God will shape and use our differences. But together, we will be a representation of Jesus to the world, a manifestation of His love and of His power. Please revise each of these seven sessions that we have done and determine to live them out. Not to be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Being a disciple is a lifelong process of growing in maturity in the knowledge of Christ. Discipleship is the process of bringing people to Christ and growing them into what they are to become as Christians. We are all called to be disciples who make disciples. May we be known by our generosity, our love, our faith, our commitment to our local church and to the growth of the kingdom. May the Lord bless you. And may you have the joy of being used by God to grow His kingdom. Amen. Amen. Let us close in prayer together. Father God, Your word has gone forth. May this word be good seed, Father, falling in good soil. Let this word grow and rise in people's hearts and in people's lives, Father God. And I thank you for blessing every person under the sound of my voice, every family represented, Lord God. And help us to be generous and to live out as disciples of Jesus in this generation, Father. And for this we thank you. And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be continually upon us, causing and helping us to be disciples of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you.